Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. What's up, what's happening, and welcome back to another episode of the Uptempo Podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Blake Lane, and today we're diving into some college football, baby. We're heading out west, and we're heading to the Pac-12 Conference, and we have a very special guest joining the show today. His name is Carter Baines. He's a beat writer for Beaver Blitz over at 247 Sports, and he's covering the Oregon State Beavers football program, and we are excited to have him on. There's a ton to ask Carter. This team, the buzz around the program up in Corvallis is exceptional. Can Jonathan Smith go even higher than seven wins this year? The quarterback battle, man. Chance Nolan, is he going to be QB1? The depth at running back after losing a guy like B.J. Baylor. And can this team ultimately win the Pac-12 North? Can they knock off the Oregon Ducks? Can they get it done? So much to ask, Carter, and we're so excited to have him on. So with that being said, we're going to kick it over here to the Belly Up Sports Network, and then we're going to try to work Carter in here and get him on the phone, and let's get rolling. Enjoy. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. Welcome back, everybody, and today we are joined by a very special guest by the name of Carter Baines. He's a beat writer for Beaver Blitz over at 247, and he covers the Oregon State football program, and we're excited to have him today. How are you doing, Carter? Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's been a kind of a long day, last two days covering the MLB draft because, you know, obviously Oregon State uh, being the baseball powerhouse that it is has has sent quite a few guys to the professional ranks over the last 24 hours or so. So it's been a little bit of a whirlwind trying to cover that and keep track of everyone. But other than that, kind of a, a relaxing summer so far. Carter, man, I actually just mentioned that in my little intro. I said, uh, I said, we know that they are flying off the board left and right up there in Corvallis. I'm an Auburn fan, and we uh, made the trip up there for the Super Regional. And, you know, I mean, I don't think there was a better Super Regional in all of college baseball this past season, man. The 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 jerpy kid on the mound and, and Sonny DeShera for Auburn and you guys, man, the top of your lineup, the Boyd kid at leadoff, I mean – the two teams could just flat out stroke, man. It was an exceptional, exceptional three game series. Oh, that was an absolute battle for three games, and you know it came down to the wire, and, and, and you know in the end on Monday, that was Monday, right? That wrapped up. Yeah, they all they all kind of 
<laughs> they all kind of blend together at this point. But um, yeah, no, it was it was fun, you know, getting the message to team up here to Corvallis, and um, obviously, you know, Auburn fans traveled well, and I, I think the ones who showed up, and, and you know, along with everyone who was there affiliated with the team, um, got to see you know what Pacific Northwest baseball is like and what the atmosphere is like in Corvallis, and mm-hmm. um, it's it's always cool to you know to bring those big programs in. Uh, from other parts of the country to, to kind of show them how it's done up here. Well, Carter, man, let me tell you something. Um, I was told from some people who made the trip that it was some of the greatest hospitality that they've ever had from anywhere in the country. That you guys, is, the whole program and the fans and everything from top to bottom were some of the nicest people that they have ever met and it was one of the greatest trips that they've ever made. And that's from a fan from Auburn who made the trip, man. And I tell you what, just looking at it on from TV, it looks like an exceptional place. And it looks like a bucket list type of place that I would I, – I, I got to I gotta go someday. Yeah, it's actually – that's saying a lot that the hospitality was great because I remember the, the big problem being, you know, you had the – NCAA track championships down in Eugene and mm-hmm. you had graduation in Corvallis and so hotel rooms and rental cars were like very few and far between so obviously Auburn I think the team was staying about an hour away from Corvallis and I heard that a lot of fans were staying up in Portland which is about an hour and a half away so mm-hmm. um, to hear that everything else on their trip went well uh, you know that's, that's good to hear and you know Oregon State every everybody involved with that baseball program is um you know they're they're high character people and it starts with head coach mitch canham who Mm -hmm. you know took over a couple of years ago and i think is is clearly just a a perfect fit for this program and um you know i I know all of the guys on that team are are high character individuals so it's it's no surprise to me to hear that uh that auburn had a, a great trip out and obviously i mean Oregon, you know, I, I might be biased being, you know, spending the last 22 and a half or so years here. <laughs> um, you know, it's it's a great place. And mm-hmm. um, I, I don't think I've ever heard of anyone coming to Oregon and saying that they were disappointed by their experience. Mm, man. Well, Carter, man, uh, jumping over here to the football side of things, uh, I want to talk about head coach Jonathan Smith, man. And I believe he's going into his fifth year, correct? Yeah, it was year five under Jonathan Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of dates me a little bit because I, I started covering this football team in his first year. So, um, yeah, I've been been covering Oregon State as long as he's been the head coach, and so it's kind of surreal that we're you know entering year five. It feels like <laughs> feels like we just got started the other day. <laughs> well, man, Carter, you know I know you guys last year. You get to seven and five, and you go to a bowl game. How big was that for Oregon State to to get to that bowl game? I think it was like the first time in, what, eight years? And how big was it for not only just the recruiting trail, but just the vibes around the program? Yeah, it was absolutely huge. And and for the reason that you mentioned, you know, it was the first time Oregon State had made a bowl game since 2013. Mm. Um, So, you know, goal number one for eight years was getting back to the postseason. And, you know, it's unfortunate that it took that long for the program to get back to relevance. But, you know, now that Oregon State's coming off of a, a 500 season, you know, above 500, they finished seven and six. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think you can really feel the you know, the rebuild is 
is right on schedule, you know, entering year five. It feels like Oregon State's kind of establishing itself as a Pac-12 contender again. Um, you know, the, the momentum within the program, you know, not just making a bowl game, but recruiting a lot better this year and mm-hmm. finishing Reeser Stadium, um, you know, a $55 million, I, I believe it was, project uh, to complete the stadium is on their way and, and uh, an entire – an entire half of the stadium will be uh, totally refurbished for Mm. the 2024 season. So, um, yeah, no, everything other than all of the conference realignment talk seems to be going in Oregon State's direction right now. And and you can just kind of feel the excitement around the program and and see the tangible results of program building. And and I think Jonathan Smith has done an admirable job coming in as a first-year coach a few years ago and, and turning this thing around. Yeah, Carter, I know you mentioned the conference realignment, man, and, and I don't want to get on the UCLA and USC stuff, but but with the Pac-12 right now, man, and the current state that it's in, where does Oregon State sit in all of that? Well, I'm going to be honest with you, you know, everything, everything you hear about conference realignment, you know, it, it talks about, as you mentioned, USC, UCLA, obviously, they're the, the catalysts here out west in, mm-hmm. in all of the conference realignment talks. But Oregon and Washington, those names get thrown around a lot. Obviously, Utah, for good reason, coming mm-hmm. off of a few successful years. The Arizona schools to the Big 12 has been rumored. So, you know, all of these teams, you know, you're hearing rumors about, oh, they might be headed here. Oregon State is like the one, it's like one of three schools that, you know, you just, you don't hear about it. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, for, for reasons that are obvious, Oregon State's not in a huge market in, in Corvallis. You know, the, it's it's not in incredibly close proximity to Portland. And even if it was, um, you know, Portland's not the biggest market out there either. Mm-hmm. And then just the fact that Oregon State's football program has been, you know, one of the bottom feeders in the Pac-12 for the last decade, um, up until last year, you know, that certainly doesn't help its case either. So um, I think Oregon State fans are, are frankly, very concerned about how this might play out. Um, you know, I think they're worried that Oregon State might get left behind and, um, you know, is picked up by the Mountain West or something, which I would agree would, you know, effectively cripple the, the athletic department financially. Mm-hmm. Um, but all signs recently have pointed towards the Pac-12 sticking together for the time being, uh, which I think benefits Oregon State more than just about anybody else in the conference. Mm. Carter, man, I, I had a I had an episode about, I think it was last week, man, and I just kind of said that it feels like they're trying so hard to make this like the NFL right now, and I just feel like they're trying to go to two conferences, two mega conferences, and – you know, just make it like the NFL where they have AFC and NFC and just everything with the NIL coming in and the money that's being thrown around at these kids at the bigger programs and all this. It just it has that NFL feeling to me right now with all this conference realignment, and I kind of hate it for college sports. It totally does, and I, I think, you know, a, a lot of people surrounding, you know, a, a lot of people familiar with college football like you know, kind of seen this coming for a few years just with the way things were heading. Um, but it's unfortunate that now we're at a point where, you know, it very much is a reality where it's, you know, we're very close to uh, a quasi-professional model in mm-hmm. college football. Um, you know, two huge conferences and everybody else is kind of just left behind. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it's it's 
honestly sad and um one of the one of the things that makes college football so great is the regionality and mm-hmm. you know with a move like USC and UCLA to the Big Ten uh, that completely I mean it demolishes the regionality model you know you get mm-hmm. rid of traditional rivalries and um, you know the Rose Bowl even being a, <laughs> a Pac-12 versus Big Ten matchup you know how long does that last um, all of these traditions that we've come to love in college football and, and everything that makes it great. Um, I think you're starting to slowly see some of that crumble, which is, you know, it's, it's obviously unfortunate and, and pretty disappointing to see. Man, I couldn't agree more right there with that. And uh, that Rose Bowl game, it is phenomenal. And we got to see a great one last year, man. And, and if I'm not mistaken, you guys beat you, y'all actually beat Utah last year, correct? Yeah, Oregon State was the uh, the one Pac-12 school to beat Utah. So, um, I guess one of Oregon State's "quote unquote" claims to fame last year. <laughs> well, man, uh, coming into this year, uh, I'm looking at the quarterback position with Chance Nolan. I know he's returning, and and is there a QB battle there, or is he is he for sure QB one? I, I wouldn't say he's for sure QB one, but mm-hmm. I mean he definitely has the lead. Okay. Um, Tristan Tristan Jebby is also back. He started back in 2020 in that shortened season before um, an, an unfortunate torn hamstring that uh, that really set him out for the last year and a half or so. Uh, he ended up missing the rest of that year and, and wasn't even really healthy last year. So that's that's how you saw Chance Nolan take the you know take the reins was when Jebbia went down so it'll be interesting to see if Jebbia can bounce back and push him for mm-hmm. the job but you know I think what Nolan was able to do leading Oregon State to its first bowl game in, in eight years and, and performing at you know essentially an all-conference level for much of the season um, but it's going to be tough to uproot that there's also another younger guy um, mm-hmm. who I believe at this point is man, maybe a third-year sophomore still really young um, ben Goldbranson has mm-hmm. been a name that's been floated around there for a while, and I think he'll be in the mix as well, you know, battling it out with Jebbia to, to uproot Nolan. But I, I do think it's Nolan's job. Well, Carter, man, I want to look at these skill positions and, and, and this running back room, man. I, I know – uh, I know you guys. You got quite a few wide receivers coming back, I believe, and and then uh, y'all lost. Uh, what was his name? B.J. Baylor, and uh, I, I think that was it at running back, correct? And just, I mean, what, what are these guys? I mean, we know you put up all the all the uh, all the points last year in the world. Can they do the same thing this year? Yeah, Baylor's the key departure there from the uh, from the skill position groups. But honestly, you know, Oregon State has has produced running backs at a level that I don't think anybody else in the Pac-12 has over the last decade and a half, almost, mm-hmm. you know, 20 years. Um, it's it's a retool and reload type group there. Um, and a lot of it last year, to be, to be honest, started with the offensive line, which, in my opinion, was one of the best groups in the country. And it was a finalist for the Joe Moore Award, which goes to the, the top O-line group in the country. So... Uh, you know, they, they earned a lot of recognition. They led the way to Oregon State, you know, posting one of the best offensive seasons it's ever had. Um, and while a couple of guys are gone from that group, they do return, uh, you know, I, I believe, yeah, three starters. So hmm. three starters will be back on that, that offensive line that was, you know, clearly one of the best groups in, in the Pac-12, if not the country. So, mm-hmm. But going back to the skill position thing, um, 
no, I, I think the running back position will be just fine without Baylor. Uh, Damian Martinez is a true freshman who really stood out in the spring and I think has the potential to run away with the job. Mm. Uh, but if not, a couple of guys coming back, Trey Lowe and Deshaun Fenwick, saw all sorts of playing time last year. They were ultra productive. You know, Trey Lowe averaged almost seven yards a carry. Fenwick scored a few times. So, um, no, Oregon State will be in good hands there. Well, Carter, man, uh, looking over at this defensive side of the ball, man, what is your one concern for this Oregon State defense coming into this t- 2022 season? It's the same story that that I've been saying for the last five years now. It's the defensive line. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been the weakest position group on this team ever since Smith and, and his staff took over. And slowly but surely, you know, they've been able to build it up. Um, they've actually recruited the position very well this year landing Kelsey Howard, a four-star over all sorts of big-name schools, um, and Thomas Collins coming over from Sweden next year. Wow. Um, I, I think he's a he's a high-ceiling guy. So help is coming, mm-hmm. but, you know, unfortunately they're going to have to piece it together for one more year uh, before those guys make it to campus. So that's a, you know, it's it's always a position of, of concern at Oregon State, but, um yeah, you know, I, I do think they could take a, somewhat of a step forward this year with Isaac Hodgins coming back from injuries. He was the leader of that group and, and missed all of last year. So I think getting him back into the mix could help. And then you know, I think we're going to talk about Trent Gray taking over a defensive coordinator mm-hmm. here in just a second. But, you know, I'll, I'll touch on that um, I'll touch on that now and say, you know, I think he's got what it takes to put together a scene that could overcome the, the defensive line's weaknesses. Yeah, Carter. I was I was just about to ask you, man. Uh, Trent Bray uh, coming uh, it was the interim last year for I think you said about four games, man. And and uh, what is the excitement for him on that on that new job as DC? And what kind of scheme is he going to run for Oregon State? Yeah, it's been nothing but excitement. He um, he said very early on that you know he wanted to kind of introduce an aggressive scheme. Mm-hmm. Um, Throw, throw a lot of different looks at, at opponents, and that's something that Oregon State hadn't had over the last four and a half years. Um, you know, Oregon State ran a very a very basic defense, um, again, with the deficiencies up front. You know, they were very limited in what they were able to do. Um, but I think Bray is going to, you know, he's going to show a lot of blitz packages. He's going to put two, three, four guys on the line. You're going to see all sorts of different um, you know, formations and blitz packages and whatnot. Um, and the players are totally bought in. I, I mean, every time well, we that. ask them about about the scheme and about Bray, you know, they say he's, he's a high-energy guy and it rubs off on them. So, mm. um, yeah, I'm, I'm really – I'm excited to see what this defense could do this year because I do feel like it has held Oregon State back over the last few years, and mm-hmm. I, I think this year it could really shine. Man, I'm excited, man. I'm excited for some Pac-12 after dark. Out here, man, in, in Alabama, we we absolutely love Pac-12 after dark. I mean, we stay up until 1 o'clock in the morning uh, just absolutely getting after it. Me and my brother talk all the time, Carter. We, we'll be sitting here and, and just, just hanging out, man, and we'll be, you know, playing Xbox or whatever, and we'll turn, and it'll be 14 to 14, and we look back, and it's 28 to 28 just that quick, man. And uh, I'm excited about the Oregon State defense, man. I, I think if, if they can get that going right there, I think it's going to be a promising year. And that leads me to my next question, Carter. i got to ask you, man, because I think it could possibly happen. Could this team make a run and win the Pac-12 North? 
I think that's the ceiling, you know, to be honest. Oregon State was really close last year. It came mm-hmm. within, uh, man, I believe two games of, of winning the North. So, yeah, if, if they continue this trajectory, they continue to improve. I I could see eight or nine wins this year, which might be enough to, to push Oregon for the North. So, um, yeah, I think expectations, you know, continue to rise year in and year out. And if the offense returns most of the production from, from last year, one of the best groups in, all, in school history, and if the defense takes the steps forward that I think it's expected to, there's no reason this team can't contend for the North. Mm, man. Love to hear that, Carter. I love to hear it, man. The, it, it's just so much promise around the program up there, and and excitement, and uh, that you know they're they're right there on the cusp of it, man. I, and you know, I, my last question for you, Carter, I, I got to ask you is the 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 rivalry between Oregon State and Oregon is the, the Civil War, correct? The game formerly known as the Civil War, oh, they yeah, dropped it yeah, a couple of years yeah, ago, yeah. Um, and still haven't renamed it, but. I will say pretty much everybody, you know, outside of the university still refers to it as a civil war. Yeah, yeah. Down here, it, it that's, yeah. Um, but I wanted to ask you, you know, just being down here in Alabama, man, you know, we have the Iron Bowl and everything. What's the atmosphere and the passion up in Oregon over that game right there? And it's, it's incredible. It's mm. like the Super Bowl in Oregon, you know. Um, Professional sports in Oregon don't really exist outside of basketball. You know, we have Same the, here. the Trailblazers and, and the Timbers in, in MLS. But outside of that, no, everybody here's you know heavy into college sports. Mm. Um, you know, you grow up in Oregon, either a Beaver or a Duck. There's no in between. So, mm. um, you know, the rivalry starts young, and it you know it permeates throughout the state. Um, it's you know those games are always sold out. Tickets sell for hundreds of bucks. Um, and I'm, I'm curious this year with Oregon State playing in, you know, essentially half of a stadium while the construction's going on, um, what that atmosphere is going to be like with only, I mean, probably 25,000 people there as oh, opposed wow. to the, the 40,000 plus that you normally pack into research for that game. So, um, yeah, it'll be electric as always, but, but a little different this year. Man, that's, I want to get up there and experience one quarter, man, but, Carter, man, I, I really appreciate you coming on, and and uh, it was it was a great episode, man. I enjoyed having you, and and I wanted to ask you if if there's any way I could get you back on, maybe during the season, during a bye week, and we could uh, talk some more about some Oregon State football. Sounds good to me. I'm all for it. All right, man, Carter, I uh, appreciate you coming on, man, and and we'll talk soon. All right, thanks for having me. Yes, sir. Man, everybody, that was Carter Baines. Oregon State beat writer, breaking everything down about the Oregon State football program this year, man. Uh, so excited for him to come on. He mentioned Damian Martinez, the the true freshman running back. Talked a little bit about Chance Nolan and could he be QB one and everything and the new DC with Trent Bray and just head coach Jonathan Smith. Can they can they really turn the corner and go after that Pac-12 North title? And there's just so much um, so much excitement around the program right now. You know, I mean. They're, they're really looking to battle Oregon for that Pac-12 North. And that, that rivalry game is, is going to be something special. I think if the way this, the season goes as, as I think it's going to go, I, I think that that game is going to set it up. And that might be your Pac-12 North champion. So, uh, like I said, really excited for Carter to come on and join the show today. 
it was a heck of an episode. I had a blast. I always uh, love doing this stuff, and, and I thank you all for listening. So with that being said, I will be back. The Home Run Derby is coming on tonight. The All-Star Game following tomorrow, and we'll break all of it down. So thank you guys for listening, and enjoy. I'm out. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.